in the third, fourth, fifth, I don't know, week of a series that we've been calling Mixtape. And what we're doing in this series is real, real simple. We're just going back in time and pulling out some of the messages that we've done over the last 10 or 11 years that you guys have requested over time that I preach again. And um, I've enjoyed the series. We're taking them, putting a new spin on them. And today I'm surprised how many people over the last year or so have asked me to go back to this message because I've only told them this subject one time ever in my life. I'm 47 years old. I have been preaching and pastoring since I was 21 years old, so that's 26 years. And I've only taught on this subject one time because it's probably one of the most complicated subjects ever. It's one of the things that not only have theologians talked about for years, but philosophers have talked about for years. It's one of the things that therapists stay in business over. It's that complicated. People have done deep dives into this subject And nobody has been able to come up with a consensus or a true thought on this subject. And one time in the past, for some reason, I decided to tackle the issue. Of course, today we're going to talk about womanhood. Because when you think Gary Lamb, you think expert in women. I know, it's amazing. (laughs) We started Action Church unapologetically for dudes. The statistics show that if you reach a lady first, you have about a 17% chance of reaching the entire family. If you get the man engaged in church, you have an 80% 7% chance of getting the entire family plugged in. We live in a day and time where men no longer want to be part of the church. And I understand that. If I didn't pastor Action Church, chances are really good. Kristen, have you and your wife ever actually had an argument over a hypothetical situation? Like it's not even real. And you, I made the comment about a month and a half ago. I said, if I didn't pastor Action Church, I wouldn't even go to church. The hell you wouldn't. I said, I'm telling you, I wouldn't go to church. So if you went and Pastor Action Church, you're telling us we'd look at our kids and we wouldn't get up on Sunday morning and go to church. I said, I'm telling you, I wouldn't go to church. And then it dawned on me, it's rare that it dawns on me before it dawns on her, that this is a hypothetical situation. Why am I about to ruin my day over a hypothetical situation? So I lied to her and said, yes, you're right, I would go to church. No matter what, honey, just to make you happy. She smiled and we went about our day. But the reality is I would not go to church if I didn't pastor Action Church. Or if there was not a church like Action Church that existed. This is about, I calculated, about our 270th Sunday. Five and a half years. Excuse me. Oh, that's totally wrong. I just totally lied to you. Just lied to you. I don't know why I thought five years. So double that. We're about 10 and a half years old. So this is almost our 600th. God, y'all have listened to a lot of crappy sermons over the years. God. 
<laughs> Man, rough. And this is only now the second time that we've ever talked about this subject. Now, let's just be honest. Being a woman is hard. It is. I'm not, I'm not saying that in a sarcastic way. I would not want to be a woman. Being a woman at Action Church is super hard. I mean, look around at the men at this church. It's hard. I asked some people this week, let's back that up, because you would think in teaching a series about women, I would have asked the women. But I didn't ask some men this week what they thought the hardest part of being a woman was. The answers were amazing. Over and over, I got not being able to pee wherever you want. I like that it, they literally use this terminology. Going to the lady doctor. I agree. I don't know what happens at the lady doctor. I can imagine it's horrible. So I would imagine that would be horrible being a lady. Not being able to take your shirt off when it's hot outside. Just for the record, ladies, there's a lot of men, most men. Matter of fact, I don't care all men, from my viewpoint, shouldn't be able to take their shirt off in public either. I didn't really understand this because I asked men this, because I think, I want to be careful, what else am going to give you the answer? Because I was surprised men gave this answer. I can understand women giving this answer. Having boobs. I get it, they can sweat. I have parts of my body that sweat. Had entire conversations about that last night at the Guardian show. I can see boobs sweat and it'd be gross and nasty. And just for the record, us guys never think it's nasty. All the men said, amen. Having to see dudes naked. I agree. I agree. Women are beautiful. Dudes are gross. Like, even the, like, the dudes you think look good, they're gross. They're, there's, there's nothing sexy about certain parts of a man. It's gross. Chucky. Like, hair's, like, it's weird. It's weird. It's gross. Like, I'm going to confess something to you, because we keep it real at Action Church. I haven't even told my wife this. So I have a new office in downtown Canton, and it has a shower at the office. I've never used the shower at the office until yesterday. Because it was a block from where I was doing my event. I left the event, and I went to the office, and I took a shower instead of driving all the way home. And not that any of you women, let me make this very clear, are thinking about sliding into my DMs. But if you were ever thinking about it, let me just give you the reality of the situation. Apparently at my office, my mirror sits lower than it sits at the house. Meaning I saw parts of my naked body that I don't normally see. 
I didn't realize as I was getting toweled off at the office, let's just say how hairy the backside of my body was. I don't have eyes back there. I didn't know I had a hairy ass, but apparently I do. I'm going to talk to the wife about narrowing it. I don't know. It freaked me out a little bit because, like, you know, it was weird. But I didn't know that. I prefer the mirror at the house. It doesn't show my hairy buttocks. Like, there's just nothing attractive about a dude. We're gross. So, like, women have to see dudes naked. Here's the deal. If I was a woman, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'd be a lesbian. Not sleeping with a dude. Not touching a unit or anything like that. I don't know if there's kids in here. So I'm trying to be appropriate. Like, like women got it rough. Like, and you have, like, oh, I can't even tell me, yeah, periods, it's horrible. Horrible. Like, being a woman's horrible. But that was from a man's point of view. I asked a few women. And you know what, over and over, I thought this was kind of telling they said, man, I love being a woman. I think the worst part about being a woman, though, is, is our job never stops. We're expected to work a full-time job now like our husbands, but yet they get to come home and sit on the couch and do nothing. We come home, cook dinner, clean the kitchen, take care of the kids, get the kids ready for bed, clean the house, and our day never stops while the man just sits there. I thought, man, that would suck. Being a woman... It's tough. It's rough. And I'm excited about this message. I'm excited about what God's going to do in this message because I hope biblically it gives some of you freedom. I'm not an expert in women by any means. My wife will tell you that. My wife and I have been married 10 and a half years, and we've been together 10 and a half years. And just this last Thursday, we were sitting in the counselor's office hashing things out. Why? Because I don't understand women. I heard an old preacher one time say, when God was creating the earth in Genesis 1, he created everything and said it was good. The Bible says he spoke everything into existence. He, he created the day and the night, and he looked out and he said it was good. He created the land and he created the sea, and he said it was good. He created all the fish in the sea, and the Bible says it was good. He created all the animals, and he created all the months, and he created all the mountains, and he created all the geography. In the Bible, after God created everything, the Bible says, and God said it was good. And then he created man. And it's kind of funny, but it's also very true. God never said it was good after he created man. He created man and looked at man and said, man, I can do better than that. That person needs a helpmate. They're incomplete. And from man, he created a woman and then said it was good. Think about that for a minute, dudes. We're the only thing God created that he looked at and said, man, I can do better. (laughs) So he created a woman. Here's what I want you women to know. In a church like this where we focus on men a lot, in a 
for lack of a better word, in a religion, Christianity, that has probably been one of the number one things that holding women down, and I know that will hurt some of your feelings. But go back and study out Christianity. There's probably been nothing, I didn't say true Bible, I said what man has made Christianity. Nothing has been used and twisted to hold women back like people's interpretation of Christianity in the Bible. Here's what I want you to know, ladies. God loves you. You are not lesser. You're amazing. God created you. He planned you. You are not second-class citizens. You're a masterpiece. Matter of fact, man, why don't we give it up for the women of Action Church? This church would not exist without the women who make it happen. There's a verse in the Bible. I love this verse in Psalms 139, 14. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. King David wrote that verse. I don't know that there's a better verse for women to memorize than this verse. Ladies, God created you. God shaped you. Matter of fact, God looked at us and said, I can do better. And you were what he came up with. We live in a day and time where it seems like so many women are living less than their potential, and I believe so much of living less than their potential is simply the way they view themselves. We live in a day and time where women are struggling with their purpose, their self-image, their identity, and they need to remember that the God of the universe shaped them and formed them. He has a plan for their lives. Ladies, if you ever hope to live out the life that God created you for, you've got to understand and believe this verse. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make things that are less than. I asked a few women this week, like I told you, some pointed questions. Here's also what I learned. If you don't want, if you don't want to know what a woman is thinking, don't ask them. I could do an entire series on the questions that women ask. Maybe one day I'll take the whole month off and let Christine do that. That's not going to happen, but I'm just saying maybe I would. I'm going to let her preach every now and then. If I give her a whole month, y'all, won't, y'all get rid of me, and then I won't be going to church anywhere. But all joking aside, I couldn't imagine being a woman in today's society. The pressure that women are under. And don't miss this. I'm not saying men are not under pressure. It's not about the men today. But man, if you listen, I'm sure you'll learn some things. But the pressure that women are under. So much pressure on the external, it seems like. Being a man is so simple. I own blue jeans. As you can tell, I'm not much of a fashion statement. 
I own khaki pants. I own a pair of black dress shoes, a pair of brown dress shoes, and some flip-flops, and that's it. Because everything goes with blue jeans and everything goes with khaki pants, and it doesn't matter. A woman can't even go to the grocery store. Can't even go pick up something and get in the checkout line without being bombarded with images of magazines that have been photoshopped telling them five steps to look like this and 11 steps to achieve this. And our society does all these things and now we have all these apps on our phones that you can't even pose what you really look like. You got to put a filter on it. Because God forbid what you deem blemishes, you post that way. Even though the Bible says God made you and you're wonderful. There's so much pressure on being a woman. Flip through the channels on TV. Every woman on television, even the ugly women, are beautiful. You see it in the movies. I mean, they wake up looking beautiful. Explain that to me. Let me make this very clear. I think my wife is beautiful. I love my wife. This is called thinking before you speak. When my wife wakes up, she is beautiful to me. But when my wife wakes up, her hair is not fixed. Her makeup is not on. Parts of her body are not perfectly stuck into her pajamas. Like what happens on the television. Like those women wake up flawless. I'm not saying my wife has morning breath. I've never kissed her before she gets out of bed to do it. But I'm assuming as perfect as she is, she has morning breath. But you can't even wake up in the movies and not be flawless. And we talk about pressure everywhere. Our society is taking beauty and giving it every definition except the definition that God gave it. We live in a day and time probably more than ever where women are dealing with low self-esteem, low confidence, low self-worth, simply because we have allowed society to dictate what beauty is instead of God. They've bought into the lies that society has given them. Look a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way. And I don't know that we've ever lived in a day and time where women feel more defeated than they do now. I don't know that we've ever lived in a day and time where women feel more pressure than they do now. But I'm here to tell you that God sees you and you're beautiful. In the past, I've preached through the book of the Song of Solomon. I've actually preached entire series here of this you were never here for this. I've preached series on sex around here. We've talked about everything you could talk about when it comes to sex positions, what you can do, can't do, and mostly what you can do. And we all backed it up with the Bible because we went to the Song of Solomon. But 
Song of Solomon's a powerful book about a husband and a wife and the way he sees her and the way she sees him. And I love how she, he sees her. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 1, look what he says to his wife. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your, man, don't use this, but it was a compliment back then. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Try something different. But back then, that would have resonated. The hills, you, I, don't, I don't know how it would have resonated, but it would have resonated. Okay? Powerful verse. It's a dude seeing his wife and telling her how beautiful she is. Not only is he looking at her and telling her she's beautiful, he's going into details of why she's beautiful. He's talking about her eyes. He's talking about her nose. He's talking about her teeth. He's blown away by how this woman looks. And he wants her to never have any doubts about how he sees her. It's funny, we become more and more advanced as a society in our education and our knowledge, and we become more like cavemen every day. Now a man just looks at his wife and says, you're hot. You're sexy. I mean, there's a time to tell your wife she's hot, and there's a time to tell her she's sexy, but there's also a time to look at her and say, you're beautiful. And I notice your hair looks a lot like those goats. I like later on, man, and I, I didn't put this verse in there, but he goes on and begins to talk about her teeth. He said, your teeth, he basically said, your teeth are all there. Now, <laughs> you have to understand the context. They didn't have crests back then. They didn't have dentists back then. It was a big deal to have all your teeth. There was a lot of people back then that looked like the meth heads of the day. You know what I mean? Like, like having all your teeth was a big deal. And he's like, baby, you got all your teeth. Catch. He's building her up. He just says in verse 7, he says, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. There's no flaw in you. What he's telling her is, you are my standard of beauty. No one compares. There's no flaw in you. And as you're reading this, you wouldn't think too much about it. You would think to yourself, but here's where the curveball comes. You would think to yourself, man, Solomon just has a smoking hot wife, and he's telling her that. But as you begin to read the Song of Solomon, you'll actually see that's not the case. In physical standards for that day and time, by what they deemed as acceptable and not acceptable, and by by what they deemed, and I don't know who they are because I hate following they, but by what society said for that time, she didn't meet the standard. Who it says about her. This is her talking here. In chapter 1, verse 6, 
She says, do not stare at me because I am dark. Because I am dark in my sentences. And you understand something. Back in those days, if you had a tan, you know what that meant? It meant you were a laborer. It meant you were a worker. It meant you didn't have money and you had to go out and work in the fields and work in the sun. The women who, who were of the highest esteem in that time, isn't it funny how... And, and let, that shows you how stupid it is to follow the standard of beauty because the standard's always changing. Back then, the pillar of your skin meant the more money you had because you got the luxury of staying inside. So she says, don't look at me. I'm darkened by the sun. She said, my mother's sons were angry with me. So her brothers were angry with her. And they made me take care of the vineyards. In my own vineyards, talking about herself, I had to neglect she said, I was so busy having to serve other people and do things with other people that I, had. I neglected myself. Don't look at me. Even back then, self-esteem issues. Isn't it funny how you get in this book that two, 3,000 years ago and they dealt with the same issues we deal with today? Here she is struggling with her physical appearance. And yet her, her husband's coming, I almost said her cousin, but that ain't Alabama. Listen, her husband comes along. <laughs> Roll tide. Listen, her husband comes along, and he's complimenting her. This is what happens when I have an event the night before, and I don't get in bed until about two. So this woman, who by the day and time standards is not very attractive, And every time her husband's talking about her, he's telling her how beautiful she is. See, he understood the value of having a woman who was not only attractive on the outside, but was attractive on the inside. Ladies, you're beautiful. And the day you start seeing yourself the way God sees you will be the day that you change your lives. Let me make this very clear to you. I don't think it's easy. I don't think one sermon is going to change everything about your mindset. It might for a day. But it's got to be one of those things that you're constantly reminding yourself and you're finding confidence and peace in the fact that the creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, spoke you into existence. He shaped you and he formed you. And what you look at as flaws, God looks at as perfection because the master loves his masterpiece. First thing I want you to know today is true beauty is internal, not external. I already know what you're doing. You're rolling your eyes. Sounds good, but it's true. Every woman wants to know she's beautiful. Let me give you some groundbreaking news today. Some of you will read into this way too much, and that's okay. I don't really care. But did you know that there is a difference between boys and girls? There's a difference. I can wrestle with my two boys all day long, and they'll go. 
Anytime I wrestled around with my girls, they would start crying. Crazy, they didn't, they didn't want to wrestle. And when they thought they wanted to wrestle, they wanted to wrestle for about two seconds and they were There's a difference between boys and girls. I'm swiping in broad strokes and I get someone's going to message me like, that's not true for me. Save your message. I really don't give two rips about it. Every boy grows up wanting to be a football player. Every girl grows up at one time, at one time or another in their life, grows up wanting to be a princess. They want to meet Prince Charming, and they want to be swept off their feet. And the ones that are rolling their eyes and huffing, not me, you hit it at one time. You just lowered your standards. You gave in and didn't wait for Prince Charming, and now you're bitter. Because you made piss poor decisions. You lowered your standards and now you want to blame men that you settled. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. And by the way, ladies, if that hurts your feelings, tough. Because I'm not going to cut you any slack because I don't cut the men slack around here. I can't find a good man. Well, no joke. You keep going to the same crap holes to meet every guy. Why do you think it's going to be any different? All men are trash. Are all men trash? Or you, you just don't know how to pick a man. God sent you some good men, ladies. You friend zoned him. My daughter right now is 16. She's not in the want to be a princess stage. She's into the pickup truck stage, the redneck girl stage. And that's cool. I like it. But there was a time she was in the princess stage. Every girl at one time grows up and goes through that stage. It's the way we're wired. Every man wants to be a Viking, and every girl wants to be a princess. And even the ones that kind of like the manly stuff, they want to be a Viking princess. You know? But it's our job to remind the ladies, and ladies, it's your job to remind yourself that true beauty is internal, not external. I make it a point all the time to remind Emily how beautiful she is. Because I'll be damned if some little punk teenage boy is going to come along and that's the first time she's heard it. I don't know what is wrong with my daughter because she's beautiful. But you've never seen a kid more non-beautiful when she gets up in the morning. Like, it's so bad. I remember when Christine and I first got together, I was like, what's going on with her hair? Like, why does she look like a, a crazy homeless person when she gets up in the morning? And even when she looks like a crazy homeless person in the morning, I always bring her to me and I hug her in the kitchen, tell her I'm proud of her, and I love her, and hope she has a great day at work. I wanted to hear those words that even when you look like a crazy homeless person, 
You're beautiful. Now, boys are like that. Luke doesn't want me to look at him and tell me he's beautiful. Luke, you're handsome. He's going to kick me right in the testicle. This is what boys do. But we need to break that stereotype. We need to reinforce to girls they're beautiful. We need to let them know not only are you physically beautiful, man, you're internally beautiful. It's as much about how you act, what comes out of your mouth, the way you treat people, as it is the external beauty. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. This verse doesn't mean, women, you shouldn't fix yourself up. You ought to take pride in yourself. Men ought to take pride in themselves. Our body is the temple of God. We're a representative of God. We want to take care of the gift that God has given us. doesn't mean you can't put on makeup, as so many church people say, or so many churches say. But what it is saying is all those things are just skin deep. You can be beautiful on the outside and ugly on the inside. The problem with external beauty is, is it's fake. The right clothes, the right hairstyle, the right makeup, and we can change the outside, but you can't fake the inside. External beauty is fleeting. External beauty is determined by the onlooker, not by reality. What I find attractive externally, you might not find attractive externally. The problem with external beauty is it's based on the one who's doing the looking. It's like going to an art gallery. Anybody ever been to an art gallery? Christine and I went to an art gallery recently. It was an art showing. I had been at this art gallery a couple of weeks in advance because the person at this art gallery is doing an event with me coming up. And we just happened to meet in this one room that had this one piece of art when I met with the lady who owned the art gallery. And we were talking about art, and this lady was crazy enough to ask my opinion on some art. Because I am very sophisticated when it comes to art. She said, what do you think about this? I said, it's horrible. I didn't know that you're not supposed to say art is horrible because it's in the eye of the beholder. I said, really, I don't like that piece of art at all. Lo and behold, two weeks later, Christine and I go to the art gallery show. We walk in. We're looking at art. Christine looks at the piece of art, has no idea that I said I didn't like She says, oh, I like that. I start laughing. She said, what? I said, you like that? I said, I think that piece of art is horrible. Now, who was right? We both were. We both were right. Because art's in the eye of the beholder. External beauty's in the eye of the beholder. What she thinks is beautiful, I might not think is beautiful. What she likes with her eyes, I might not like with my eyes. So the problem is we put so much emphasis on external, there is no standard on what external beauty is. It's only skin deep. 
I'll never forget the first time I got on Facebook. Does anybody remember when you first got on Facebook? I remember it was years ago. And all of a sudden, everybody starts popping up that I went to high school with. So I start searching for people I went to high school with. I ain't thought about people I went to high school with in years. And I remember I'd pull up certain people. I'd be like, man, they look old. I remember like pulling up the cheerleader girls or whoever was popular. I'd be like, oh, man, time hasn't been good to them. And I'm sitting in my house kind of being cocky and arrogant about everybody I went to high school with. And all of a sudden I thought to myself, oh, they're thinking the same thing about me. They're like, what happened to Gary? He got fat. I was 185 pounds in high school. I am not 185 pounds now. I had bleach blood. Look, Treff got one laugh earlier, so now he's going to try to get another one. That's the problem with people. They get one laugh and they try to hijack the whole service. You sit out there and be quiet. You got your laugh earlier. I know you're trying to look tough in front of mom and dad today. Man, security. But I had like platinum blonde hair when I was in high school. And I was cool. Like I had three lines over here and a lightning bolt over here. I got curly hair, so I didn't have a rat tail, but I had a pigtail. You know, curl all up. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Now I'm fat, and like, they're like, man, external beauty, fleeting. I heard this guy one time was in love with two women. Man, I don't suggest that. He was in love with two women, and one woman was beautiful. Everything by society standards she should be. The other woman was not so attractive. But she had the voice of a nightingale. She could sing like an angel. Guy went to his dad and said, Dad, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to marry. Dad looked at him because the dad was older and wiser, and he said, the lady with the beauty, beauty fades. But the one who can sing will always sing. So the guy married the lady who could sing, and they had their first night together, and he wakes up the next morning, he looks over at her. She was so ugly, all he could do was look at her and say, sing, honey, sing. External beauty, man, is fleeting. We've got to learn to value the internal. Peter said internal beauty is an endearing beauty. It won't go away. Some of the ugliest people I know by society standards would be some of the most beautiful. But they're ugly on the inside. You ever been, we've all been here, you ever been out of a relationship with someone so the relationship ends, right? Obviously, when you were with them, you did not think they were ugly. You were attracted to them. It is what it is, right? You wouldn't have been with them. But you get out of the relationship with them, and now you know the type person they truly are, and you look at them, and you can't believe you ever found them attractive. Their outside physical didn't change. You just know their true insides now. 
They're rotten to the core. You ever bit into an apple and it looks great on the outside and you bite into it and it's rotten on the inside? It's funny what we can hide on the outside. But when you get to the root of the issue, the truth comes out. True love is blind. It doesn't look at the external. I love my wife. I think my wife is beautiful. But her looks are not what drew me to her. They might have caught my first impression when she slid in my DMs. I don't think I had a hairy butt then, so it was okay. But it's the way she loves me and she supports me. The internal, not the external. The other thing I want you to notice is true beauty is shown when you love yourself. Ladies, until you begin to love yourself, you're never going to reach God's potential for your life. There is nothing more beautiful. There is nothing more sexy than a confident woman. I didn't say a cocky woman. I didn't say an arrogant woman. But I'm talking about a woman who understands who God is and that God created her and embraces that. Sometimes we'll see people that we don't deem attractive dressed in a certain way. And like everybody, I, when I was immature, I used to mock and make fun of that. And now it's funny how I change in my perspective that good for them. That they have enough confidence to pull that off. Because I ain't pulling it off. Song of Solomon, she said, dark am I, yet lovely. I love that verse. By society standards, I don't measure up, but I know I'm lovely. I think one of the reasons she knew she was lovely is because she had a man who reminded her all the time she was lovely. He reminded her that he saw her as she was. She knew what everyone else thought about her based on society standards, but she was confident in who she was, and she was secure enough in who she was. Do not miss this, that she landed Solomon, King David's son. The king, the wisest man who ever lived, was drawn to her. Ladies, if you do not realize how beautiful you are, don't expect others to. Ladies, if you don't respect yourself, don't be shocked when no one else respects you. If you don't honor yourself, don't expect others to. You set the standard for your life. I listen to my wife all the time teaching our daughter this rule. You set the boundaries for your life. You set the expectation on how other people treat you. You set the standard on how people receive you. If they don't receive you at your standard, then you cut them out of your life because they don't deserve to be in it. But the problem is you don't see yourself that way. You don't see yourself as God sees you, and you don't think you're worthy of what God has for you. 
You're so afraid of being alone that you settle. I didn't expect to get a lot of amens. Ladies, let me give you a reality check today. It's not anybody's job to make you feel beautiful, not even your husband's. Now your husband ought to do all he can to make you feel beautiful, but it's not his job. It's your job. Now, guys, let me give you a reality check. If you're not telling your wife how beautiful she is, some other guy will gladly do it. Ladies, you need to find confidence in yourself. Again, realize God made you and you're his masterpiece. He created you. He perfected you. God knows the number of hairs on your head. Take confidence in that. I see women jump from bad relationship to bad relationship. The problem is eventually jumping gets you tired. And eventually, instead of jumping, they just settle. The problem is not the person they settled for. The problem is they didn't love themselves enough to hold themselves to the standard they should have. We live in a day and time where women literally don't think they deserve to be treated right. People like to come up to me all the time and they'll make some comment about, oh, you better walk the line, I know who Christine's dad is. I get that. But I don't treat my wife with respect because of who Christine's daddy is. I treat my wife with respect because she wouldn't put up with me not treating her with respect. She sets the standard for her life. And when you set the standard for your life, here's what happens with the person who's with you. They either fall in line with that standard or they leave. And if they leave, bye. Now, I get it, ladies. It's easy for me to preach this. It's easy to say, man, you ought to respect yourself and you ought to love yourself and all those things. But how do we do it? You've got to make it a priority. Paul, in the New Testament, is talking about a struggle he had. We don't know what the struggle was, but he said, I die daily to it. Meaning I get up every single day and I take this issue that I have, this struggle that I have, and every day I die to myself and I make sure I attack this struggle. So here's what you've got to do. The enemy loves to come along and make you think you're less than you are. I think that we live in a society who is actually afraid for women to be confident and strong. I think one of the reasons men have become so weak is because we've held women back because of our insecurity. Stronger women build stronger men. A strong man is not scared of a strong woman. A weak man is. And we have the large majority of men are weak today. Therefore, they want their wife to be weaker. The man's the head of the household. Okay. But the man just wants to be the head of the household because he's the man. Not because he does what the head of the household should do. Oh, that's a different sermon for a different day. I'm the man, hear me roar. 
because you have a penis don't make you a man. Because you pee standing up don't make you the boss. We want the title of leader without the work of leader. And so what we do is we love to hold women back and we love to, to make women seem weak. Half of us, all of us men couldn't do what half women do. Nothing weak about being a woman. But a strong woman demands a strong man. A strong man demands a strong woman and they complement each other. But you settle. So how do we overcome and see ourselves the way God sees us very quickly? Spend time with God daily. It's a daily struggle. Every day you need to get up and get in this book. I, I know that sounds like just something a preacher would say, but I'm telling you, you need to spend time with God daily. I'm not saying you've got to spend hours with God, but you've got to spend time with God daily. Getting your mind right. I try to get in that mindset immediately. First thing I do almost every morning is I wake up, I go in the bathroom, take my shower, brush my teeth, but I say, hey, Google, flip on such and such worship. I want immediately a focus on God happening. I've got really good lately of at least spending a few minutes a day just reading the Bible. I try to stay in a constant state of prayer. I call Christine on the phone and I will hear worship music playing in the background of our home. Daily spending time with God. I didn't say do it out of religious duty. Don't do it because you think you have to do it. I'm not saying 24-7 has to be worship music and the word of God and time in prayer. But what I'm telling you is you need to make God a priority every day. Don't make your kids a priority every day and see what happens. Don't make your marriage a priority every day and see what happens. Don't make your friends a priority and see what happens. But yet we think we can do that with God. You need to remind yourself of the importance of time with God because when you see God as a priority, you will begin to see that God sees you as a priority. Ladies, the best, second best thing you can do is surround yourself with people that understand true beauty. One of the great, I need my wife to preach a message on this actually. One of the greatest things you can do in your life, ladies, is change half the friends you got. But they've been with me forever. So? Just because they've been unhealthy with you forever doesn't mean they should be in your life. You are now, or you soon shall be, who your friends are. Show me the five people that you spend the most time with, and I'll show you the type of person you are. And some of you are with some unhealthy people. You ever notice it kind of comes in clusters? One couple gets a divorce, next you know everybody in that group's getting a divorce because they feed off each other. You need to get around women who understand what true beauty is, that understand what true success is, that understand what true health is, that understand what true relationships are. You run around with dogs, guess what, baby? Eventually you'll catch fleas. It's the reality. 
I am more convinced of this than ever. I used to be that loyalty guy to a fault. They've been in my life for 25 years. And all of a sudden I realized, man, 25 years. And almost all the drama in my life I can trace back to them. All the lack of peace in my life I can trace back to their baggage. Christine went through this about four years ago. Game changing. Not because I told her to. I told her 10 years ago. That was just me being me. You got to go through this on your own. You got to have the revelation on your own. She began to make changes and cut people out. Some of the people weren't even doing anything wrong at the time. She just knew they were unhealthy. And I think she would tell you it was game changing. I don't really got to cut people out of my life because I don't have friends, period. Not a likable person. But it will change your life surrounding yourself with people who have the same mindset as you, who have the same goals as you. You'll never be successful in your career if you're hanging around people who are content with theirs. You'll never achieve the financial freedom you want in life if you're hanging around people who don't know how to manage their money. You'll never have a good marriage if everybody you hang around with has a bad marriage. I'm just telling you, that's just a fact. You ain't got to like it. You ain't got to agree with it. At the end of the day, your decisions don't affect me. I really don't care. So you don't care? I don't care. This might shock you. You know my job as a pastor is not to care. My job is to love you. I love you no matter what. And my job is to teach you the Word of God. People come to me all the time. What do you think about so-and-so? Not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah, but they go to your church. I don't got any control over what they do. I'm going to love them no matter what. And I'm going to preach the Word of God no matter what. But guess what? I guess they'll learn the hard way. And I expect you to be the same way towards me. If my life all implodes tomorrow, man, I want you to be there for me because you love me. It doesn't affect you. There's consequences for actions. Problem is we want to avoid the consequences. We want to make other sure other people avoid the consequences. And maybe if there was more consequences, we'd have better actions. Surround yourself with people. Number three, constantly protect God's standard of beauty for your life. Protect it. That means set some boundaries. That means have some respect for yourself. Don't settle. Don't become less than what God created you for, for other people who can't handle you. Be who God created you to be and protect that. Don't water yourself down for people who can't handle you where you are. That simply means they're not the right people for your life. What I'm telling you, ladies, is this. You set the standard for your life. What I'm telling you guys is that you set the standard for your life. And you set the expectation on how other people treat you and view you. You let them treat you like a piece of meat, they'll treat you like a piece of meat. You make them treat you with honor and respect, They'll either treat you with honor and respect or they'll move on. And if they move on, good. 
Ladies, if you could see yourself the way God sees you, it would change your life. But you're responsible for seeing yourself that way. You're responsible for looking in the mirror and knowing, are you giving your best? Let's pray.